November 7, 2021. 12. Hope. Healing. Grace. Good morning, church. This is week four of our series that we are calling 12, Our Future Together, where we are sharing the 12 words that define who we are as a church. Last week, we finished our mission statement, which is pursue the Father, proclaim Jesus, participate with the Holy Spirit. Every word of that statement was selected very carefully and purposely. We believe it is important for everyone who attends this church to have the heart of David as he wrote Psalm 63. He writes, with passion I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. I keep my soul close to your heart. It was not in a time of comfort or ease that David wrote these words. He wrote them while he was hiding in the wilderness, fleeing from his son who was trying to kill him. For each of us to pursue the Father with the same passion in the middle of a confusing world, that is who we want to be as a church. And this is only possible through a relationship with Jesus. Together, through Jesus, we will pursue the Father. As we do so and see all the Father is doing in our lives, it is important to invite others to join us. Remember the Samaritan woman who Jesus spoke with at the well. He told her that he could give her living water and she would never, ever thirst again. He was offering himself as Savior, as Messiah, the one from God who would take away the sins of the world. And you know what? She got it. Not only did she get it, but she couldn't wait to tell others. She couldn't wait to tell her friends and family. John 4 tells us this, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Imagine the passion and the excitement as she shared these words. She said, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way to him. Then the scripture tells us many more became believers. As followers of Jesus, the same passion that gripped the Samaritan woman's heart for her friends should grip our hearts too as we proclaim Jesus. We all have people in our lives who need to know Jesus and our mission is to tell them. We will do that as a church when we gather but it is also something that we can do one-on-one -on -one with friends, family members, neighbors, and coworkers. We will know that is happening when we hear story after story of lives being transformed. As we bless our world, we will see the fruit. We are going to teach you a simple strategy for sharing your faith called BLESS in the weeks, months, and years that follow. You will hear much more about this. So the first four words are pursue the Father and then proclaim Jesus. And last week we finished the mission statement by adding the final three. Participate with the Holy Spirit. Remember the big idea from last week? The Holy Spirit lives in you and guides you. He will empower you to do greater things. The Holy Spirit is our helper and teacher. He will remind us of Jesus' teachings. He will guide us and empower us to do greater things than even Jesus did. I can't even wrap my head around that truth. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will do even greater things than Jesus did. Henry and Richard Blackaby suggest that God has always confronted people with his agenda for their lives. Those who adjust their lives or participate to God's will through the Holy Spirit 
experience God working in and through them in a dimension they could never, ever have anticipated. So the first seven of the 12 words that define our future together are pursue the Father, proclaim Jesus, participate with the Holy Spirit. Today we will add the next three and they come from our vision statement. A vision statement looks a little bit different than the mission as it looks forward and creates an image of the ideal future state that we wish to achieve and answers these questions. What does God want to use us to do? What do we want our church to look like? Where are we headed? And this might be my favorite question. Where do we want to be one, five, and ten years from now? The vision and mission statements are the cornerstones for all decision making. They ask us, does this line up with who we are and why we exist and what we are attempting to achieve? After today, there will only be two words left and you, you don't want to miss next week because they're our new church name. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this time together this morning. And as we dive into our vision of who we are in the future, I pray that you would open our eyes, you would open our ears and our hearts to what you have for us this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit would cover this place and we would sense your presence. Your Spirit would teach us and instruct us as we hear and learn together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's so good to see your smiling faces. Um, I, I, <laughs> some of you were here a little earlier than normal. Anybody with the time change? There was a little bit of that. We'll see how many people come in halfway through the service thinking they're here for the 1030 service. So just keep your eyes open at about 930. Oh, it's 930. So if we get a flux influx right now, know that they were really here for the 1030 service. Um, anybody ever do that before? I've done that before. It's pretty embarrassing. So let's make a, a scene when they walk in. No, just be graceful as they come in and let them sit and think they're here at the beginning. So this series has been very close to my heart. It's been months in the making. We've been talking about these things as a staff. It has been such a joy to begin to share them with you and to cast a vision for where we're going into the future. And today, as we talk about vision, this might be one of my favorite parts of this series. Because the vision statement, I, this is my heart. When somebody drives by any of our campuses, I want them to be able to say, that's the church that does, and we'll talk about in a minute, that does this. There's something different about those folks at that church. They're different than others and they just love, they, they have more hope, they're more grace-filled than other people. And not that I want to compare, but I want Christ, listen to this, this is my heart. I want Christ to be so alive in each and every one of us that not only here when we worship together, but that same attitude we had in worship of thanksgiving and praise we carry with us when we leave here and tomorrow and the whole week to come. And that people you run into just know there's something different about you. And they're, and they're curious to know what it is. We're going to use um, a story in Luke today to frame our time and to give us um, a roadmap for where we're going. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 3. If you use a Bible app, you can go to Luke, I mean, sorry, Luke 6. If you have a Bible app, you can go to Luke 6. Sorry, Luke 5. I'm, it's right here. I can see it. It's Luke 5. Can I start over? Luke 5. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 16. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, 
he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and said, be clean, and immediately, immediately the leprosy left the man. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for the cleansing, for your cleansing, as a testimony to them. Yet news about him spread all the more, so crowds of people came to hear and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. This is the story of what I want to happen or what I see happening as, our, as we are moving through this world as a church. That, that people who like this leper who are unclean for whatever reason, and you define unclean, but as they're unclean and they feel like they, they don't fit in, they can't fit in for whatever reason, that as they walk through our doors, they feel accepted and loved and cared for. That for whatever reason, they may consider themselves unclean or even others consider themselves unclean. When they come here, we see through that and we see the heart, we see who they are, we see how God sees them. We're gonna unpack the story this morning and we're gonna look and find three different aspects of our faith, three different ways we can interact with the world that will help us to change. I don't say this lightly. That will help us to change our communities if we live in this way. So just looking at verse 12. When Jesus saw, when Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Just try to imagine in your mind's eye this whole situation. This man who has leprosy, and yes, it was a physical disease and it impacted your extremities in in awful ways. But I dare to say it was as much of a social and emotional disease. Because when you had leprosy, you were not allowed to associate with people who did not have it. In Leviticus, it was very clear that if you had leprosy, you had to live outside of the camp, outside of the community, by yourself, cut off from family, from friends, for those those you maybe grew up with, cut off from worship. You were cut off from everything. Imagine the pain this man was feeling. He was a loner at, at, the very, at the very strongest meaning of the word. He was by himself. And maybe there were other lepers, other places in scripture. We see that lepers sort of congregated together because they had one another. But besides that, there was no interaction with anybody. He was labeled, he was dirty, he was unclean, and nobody wanted to be around him. He was isolated, isolated he was sad, and he was hopeless. That's why it's so incredible. Jesus comes and instantly he fell with his face to the ground in front of Jesus. This guy who had nobody saw Jesus and fell flat on his face. Why did he do that? Well, word about Jesus had been spreading that he was casting out demons and healing people. Word had been spreading that he was touching untouchable people, that he was loving unlovable people that he was engaging in the world that nobody ha- a way that nobody had before him, and he was different. Everywhere he went, he was different than any other rabbi or religious leader. 
He was bringing people back to life, physically, but emotionally. And this man who was cut off needed that. If there was social media back in the day, there would have been a hashtag, hashtag Jesus heals. Every time something happened, they would post, people would post, it would be the biggest deal going in the time. And Luke 4, 40 through 41 tells us, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying hands on each one, each one, he healed them. When somebody had a problem in their lives, when they had a sickness, when they felt like they didn't belong, somehow they found themselves in front of Jesus. There's stories in scripture where people carried their friends who couldn't walk to Jesus so he could heal them. Over and over again, we see this. And Jesus laid his hand on them and healed them. People were talking, miraculous was happening. And here he was, right in front of our leper. Our one who was isolated, the one who didn't have any connections with society. All of a sudden, he was face to face with Jesus and he did all he knew to do. He fell on the ground face down. Lord, imagine his voice shaking. The emotion that was welling up inside of him as he spoke these words. Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Can you hear his pain? Lord, if you are willing right now, please make me clean. Why did he react in this way? Why did he come to Jesus and fall on his face and ask these things? There's one word that I think is clear and it's obvious to see. He had hope. He had hope. Maybe for the first time in years, he had hope that his affliction would be lifted from him, that his body would be made whole, and that he'd be able to reintegrate back into society. He had hope. Hope that tomorrow would be better today. Hope that reality would improve. Hope that his pains would disappear. That a new day was coming. For this man, this was the most important day of his life up to this point. He had an affliction. He had something that nobody could be around. And then he had hope. Why? Because of Jesus. Jesus brings hope. There are many people in our community who are hopeless who are wandering around, going through life as if they're, they're just zombies going from one thing to the next. The pains of life are so great. And I think our church should be a place where they come to find hope. Where as they walk through the doors, they understand that people have been here before them and they've found healing. They found the physical and emotional healing that they so desire and word will spread through Hamburg, Orchard Park, Eden. Word will spread as people experience the hope of Jesus and he works in their lives. As people drive up and down McKinley, I want them to say, I know somebody who attends that church. And you know what? They're the most hope-filled person I know. Could they say that about you? I want people as they drive by to say, I know so-and-so, and they're just full of hope. I need to know what they know. 
I need to experience what they've experienced. I need to worship the way they worship. I need, ultimately, without saying it, I need to know their Jesus because he brings hope. Our communities need it. And I believe that can start here in concentric circles. We can impact our community simply through hope because Jesus brings hope. Jesus has brought hope to you and he can bring hope to our community and to those whom you love. Our community needs to know hope. There are many unclean people in our society. Many. And they're dying to know some of them literally dying to know Jesus. And we have the hope that they're looking for. Let's continue, verses 13 through 16. And again, imagine this, this guy who had been not touched for, for who knows how long, possibly years. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the leprous man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for the cleansing as a testimony to them. And this is incredible. Yet news spread all the more. So crowds of people, huge crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. He often went to spend time with the Father. He often went to pursue the Father, even in the middle of all that was happening. But as Jesus interacted with this guy and touched him, immediately the leprosy left him. Can you imagine the joy that filled his heart? He went from unclean to clean in an instant. His life was forever different. Jesus knew what had happened. The leper felt what happened and the people saw it. It was another form of healing, not just physical, but it was emotional and, and social. And again, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. In Leviticus, Moses laid out what had to happen to somebody who had leprosy once they were healed. They had to offer sacrifices. They had to go to the temple or the tabernacle, depending on the time period, and offer sacrifices as a way of worshiping God. And there was a sin offering. There were all kinds of offerings that happened in this place. And Jesus said, go show yourself so that you can be reintegrated into society. You won't be alone anymore. The social pain will disappear. The emotional pain will fade away. Your body will be whole, but you will also be reconnected to those in your world. Which do you think was a greater joy for the individual, for the leper? I bet it could go either way. On one point, my body's made whole. On the other point, I can go hug my mother again. He was overwhelmed with joy. Stories of, this is a story of hope, but it's also a story of healing. Of healing. Of somebody who was broken physically and socially and emotionally made whole. We have a whole department here at this church that deals with healing. Do you know that? We call it the heal department. It's a really creative name. If you have a better one, let me know. But our heal department offers all kinds of opportunities for people who are physically, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt and hurting. 
from grief share to those who have lost a loved one to divorce care for those who have walked through the horrors, the ugliness of divorce to re-engage where marriages are poured into, where streams of freedom, where people can find the spiritual freedom from oppression that maybe they've never experienced, but we can help walk through that with people. For a time for hope where there's a place with people who are suffering with mental illness to come and find support. For families victorious, those who have family members who are dealing with alcohols and we support the families. Or alcoholics victorious, where we love on people who have substance abuse issues as they walk through our doors. We've seen time and time again through the ministry of AV where people have been set free from the addiction to alcohol, where they found healing. Some of my favorite baptism stories we've ever had in here are those who have attended AV coming and sharing their stories of how once they were addicted and now they are free because of Jesus, because they've experienced healing. And maybe some of you have never heard of our hope and healing ministries and our encouragers. They're just people who are trained. They've spent a lot of time in training to walk through the difficulties of life with people who need another voice and someone to hold their hand to offer encouragement. As a church, we take this world of healing very seriously. If you want one of these brochures, all the information's on the website. There's brochures out of the Connection Center. If you yourself are interested in one of these ministries, maybe today's the day you say, I've been struggling with this for years. I've been unclean and I need help. Maybe you experience the beginnings of that healing today. Sometimes healing's immediate, as in this story. Oftentimes it takes years of of walking with somebody so they can finally be free of what's gripped their heart. But more often than not, once you're on the journey and you have people linking arms with you, the pain begins to subside. So check out our healing world, our healing ministries, if that is something you're dealing with, any of those topics I mentioned or many more. So the leper was healed and word spread. I imagine it was like wildfire. People were going and going saying, did you see that man who had leprosy, who was cut off? He is now well. He is whole. This is not only a story of hope and healing, but it's also a story of grace. John Stott has this quote about grace. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Max Locato would say, grace is God's best idea, his decision to consume a people with love, to rescue passionately and to restore justly. What rivals it? Of all his wondrous works, grace, in my estimation, is the magnum opus. It's his greatest act. Grace is the thing that God offers us freely. It's not mercy, it's not merit. Grace is the opposite of karma. Karma is the idea where you get what you deserve. Grace is totally different, where you don't get what you deserve and you get what you don't deserve. Grace is this wonderful concept where God stepped into our world and saw our condition and loved us anyway. When we feel unlovable, unworthy, like nobody else cares, we can rely on grace. We deserve 
to be separated from God in death, and he offers us grace, and with that comes hope. Jesus touching this man is so significant. Jesus could have walked by and done nothing. He could have won on the other side of the road, and even though the guy was crying out, he could have went right by him. But he stoops, he touches him, he rescues him. He shows them concern and kindness. He steps out of the social norm of the day and loves this guy in a supernatural way. We as Christians live every day by the grace of God. We receive forgiveness according to the riches of God's grace. Paul in Titus writes this, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Spiritual growth doesn't happen overnight. It's a result of grace working in you to shape you and mold you. As we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, grace will transform your desires, your motivations, and your behaviors. This is an amazing grace. We are going to be a church that is full of hope, healing, and grace. The song Amazing Grace begins this way Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Those words were written by John Newton. John was a slave trader. He, he grew up in England and he found himself in the most awful predicament. One day on a ship going from Africa to England, they came up across a horrible storm. And in the middle of the storm, he cried out, God have mercy on our souls. And then they made it through, but it caused him to wonder and think about this mercy, this grace. Newton considered God's answer to his prayer. He found redemption, healing, and peace in Jesus. And later, he became an Anglican priest and taught the world about grace. Grace is the most precious gift we could ever receive. Hope and healing might be what people find when they walk through our doors or why they come, but when they walk in the doors, we want them to experience grace. And what does it look like for us to be that community? It looks like us accepting those who look different than us. It looks like us accepting those who are unclean and have different things going on in our lives. It looks like us not passing judgment on those in our world. Yes, we need to be a church full of grace and lead with grace and let truth follow. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. We will be a church that welcomes sinners. We will be a church that, that steps out into our world and just has a different impact than maybe what we've had. Jesus had grace. The, on, he compassion on crowds. Children came to him. He healed lepers, the lame, and the blind. He, ex, he showed grace to all, but then he followed it up by truth. 
He condemned many of the religious leaders for, in his day for being liars and hypocrites. He talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. He obeyed the law, set standards, and demanded everything from his followers. He showed truth. He led with grace, but then truth followed closely behind. So we will be a church about grace and truth, just as Jesus was. Our vision statement, we talked about the mission. Our vision statement is we're going to be an undeniable force of God's hope, healing, and grace impacting generations to come. That's something I can get excited about that we will display hope, healing, and grace to our world and for generations, for our kids and our kids' kids. I hope my grandkids someday are following Jesus full of hope, healing, and grace because of what we're doing here today. And it permeates generations. People need hope. People need to experience healing. People need to understand grace. And I hope that they find it here for generations to come. Does that sound exciting to you? The 10 words we've talked about so far is pursue the Father. I know there's a the in the middle, but just pursue Father. Participate with the Holy Spirit that's the third one. Pursue the Father, proclaim Jesus, participate with the Holy Spirit, and then hope, healing, and grace. If somebody asks you what your church is about, those are the words you can use. That's what you can tell them. We pursue the Father with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We tell others who Jesus is. We look at where the Holy Spirit's working in the world and we engage in his work. And then as people come here, they will experience hope, healing, and grace. That's a church I want to be a part of. That's where I want to worship. That's where I want my family to be. I hope you do too. Next week is the week you've been waiting for. <laughs> At least I have. And if you haven't, I don't know what to tell you. Although I've heard a lot of people asking, what's the new name? And I'm not telling. I was even somewhere Friday night with people from our church and a couple asked me, are you going to tell me? I said, no, I'm sorry. And it's worth waiting for. This is my hope. This is my hope this week. As, as we head into this next week where we reveal the name, that you would be praying daily. Lord, Show me how to best pursue you and to proclaim you and to participate with your Holy Spirit. Help me to be a person that's full of hope, healing, and grace. As we walk in that posture, the name, and the name's almost irrelevant, but it does give identity. As we walk into this new chapter of ministry together and we understand how God has positioned us and we, we see how we're gonna function in this world, I hope you're on the journey with us. Next week, you want to be here. We're going to have a, a breakfast reception. We're going to have all kinds of things. We're going, to, we're going to eat together and celebrate what the Lord has been doing in the new name. We're going to be in here talking about it. And 
I hope you're a part of it. And you have to show up on time because we're starting off the service next week right away and it's, we're going to move pretty quickly and you're not going to want to miss a second of it. It's going to be worth being here for. If you're watching online and you're able to come next week, next week would be a week you won't want to miss being here in person for. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity to learn and grow and to talk about hope, healing, and grace, to learn from this leper whose life was was anything but um, hope-filled. And Father, I pray that as we walk out our faith in this world, as we live for you, that we would display hope, healing, and grace to our world. And although people may not have leprosy, when they come here with whatever is hindering them, that they would find you faithful. Lord, help us to be full of hope, healing, and grace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.